start. It's called Overzealous. <laughs> Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio only on LA Talk Radio. Death by solitude for hermit crabs. Speed limit of 1,106 hogs per hour is not good enough for the pork industry. Was that holiday organic ham a happy pig? And much more. These are just a few of the topics we will be covering today. Hello. I'm- Welcome to Animal News Magazine. This is a live radio show about animals. Topics range from animals in science to animals in entertainment to animals in religion to animals in agriculture. Animals play an important role in our daily lives as individuals and as a society, and this show is about increasing our knowledge and our understanding of the animal world, and from that information, you can draw your own conclusions. Our guest today is writer and environmentalist Christina Zupko. She was uh, on the show around August. Um, she was she came on the show around August to talk to us about um, the problems at Ormond Beach in Oxnard, um, Homeless encampments were preventing birds from nesting, and they were becoming endangered. So she's going to give us an update on what's going on at uh, the lagoon there in Oxnard, Ormond Beach Lagoon. Uh, I'm curious to know what's going on. It's made the news in the meantime, Nancy. Yeah, it has made news. We want harmony, but I'm afraid that... I think our show is partly responsible for putting a little bit of pressure on uh, on the city council, I think. But she did amazing work. She just forged ahead... um, so, but this, so I hope that I think well, I'm hoping that we have you know positive results. This is but a she she uh, she birds. was um, yeah. she worked with great abandon to fix the problem there in Oxnard. So, but but, if we, but before we start, what's the difference between a politician and a snail? One is a slimy pest and leaves a trail everywhere, and the other is a snail. Ha uh-huh. ha. Uh-huh. Yes, Especially great. in these times with the Democrats uh, trying vying for a position. Uh, so I understand eventually you're going to have a joke book and you're going to be selling that on smile.amazon.com, right? Uh, and you're going to be yeah, selling sure, that joke book. Sure, sure. We'll, and we'll, the money we'll right. collect will uh, we'll go to the animal we'll, we'll be a do- donations to uh, to an animal cause that Amen. our listeners can select. Amen. Plastic pollution has killed half a million hermit crabs, a study says. A new study from the University of Tasmania found more than half a million hermit crabs have been killed after becoming trapped by plastic pollution on two remote islands. Research teams estimated that about 508,000 of the crustaceans have been killed in the Cocos Islands in the Indian Ocean and about 61,000 on Henderson Island in the Pacific after getting stuck in debris such as plastic bottles, which researchers said served as deadly traps. They say the crabs crawled into plastic containers and were unable to get out, eventually dying. The containers had openings that allowed the crabs to enter, but were positioned in such a way that the crabs had difficulty crawling back out. Usually the entire body of a crab is covered with a hard shell. 
The hermit crab, however, lacks this protection on the abdomen, which is soft and vulnerable. It protects its abdomen by inserting it into a shell. As they grow, they need to move into larger shells, and when one crab dies, it emits a chemical signal that basically says there's a shell available attracting more crabs who fall into the containers and die, who then send out more signals and uh, that say that there are more shells available. In one container, researchers found 526 hermit crabs. Terrible. They also found containers with both dead and living crabs, the latter presumably drawn in by the former. The study found that around one to two crabs per square meter have been trapped by the debris. This is all pollution, right? Yeah. These plastic containers are from what, Nancy? Do we know? Well, if they're plastic containers, I don't know if they're coming from the ocean or people who walk on the beach just throw them down. If they may be plastic drinking bottles? They're usually plastic drinking bottles, but they found sandals and all kinds of stuff. Anything that a little crab can creep into to protect the abdomen, they're going to go in there. So people who are walking, who are go, you know, I, I don't know if it's coming actually from the ocean and like coming onto the beach, onto the shore or people just leaving their garbage there. But, uh, you know, these crabs, they play a crucial role in the health of tropical environments. They aerate, aerate and mm. fertilize the soil. Um, they disperse seeds and remove debris, so they're really essential in the ecosystem. What parts of the world are we talking about these hermit crabs? Um, they're... Um, Where are they located? I know it's from the University of Tasmania. They, they live in tropical areas, the Indo-Pacific Ocean, Western Atlantic, uh, Western Caribbean. They also live close to, um, they're, I, I think the, um, they're native to Bermuda, found in Florida. Warmer, warmer climates, wow. For Florida, the, Caribbean, so uh, this, salt marshes. You this know, is they, human pollution. Warm tropical areas. Is it from people directly throwing debris into the ocean, or do you think that... Uh, because in Southern California, we have, we have uh, you know, our, our sewage goes to the ocean, unfortunately, yeah. and if they're not conscientious, they could be polluting the coastal waters here in Southern California. So I wonder if it's a function of what they throw down the sewage or just when they're at the beach. Well, it's plastic bottles, so I would think it's what's on the beach. But that's a, that's a lot of bottles. But the message is, if you're going to use all these disposable containers and unreusable containers and whatnot and vessels, if you can just... Bring them over to your recycle, your local right, recycle exactly. place, and be diligent, conscientious where you dispose of all these things. Absolutely, we don't have to see crabs and all kinds of sea life at the ecosystem. Right. And just a little bit. We need those little guys, and, you yeah. know, and they also have. Some people have them as pets, and I just want people to know that the ones that you, the little these little hermit crabs that they are sold in souvenir shops, uh, they've all been captured from the wild. They're not bred domestically. So they rarely breed in captivity. So you, there are people out there, go pick them up on the beach and then sell them, which is horrible. So you can't domesticate a crab? You can't breed them domestically. They're bred no, in oh. captivity. So they're all wild. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to hurt you, but they're not domestic. And uh, so they're the, very social. They need a lot of friends. Uh, they live long lives, too, about 30 years or maybe more. Yeah. Wow. So the yeah. message is we also have to keep this seasonal warmth of holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever everybody celebrates there. We have to keep it going all through the year. And instead of taking that bottle or the six-pack that's held together by those plastic rings that people cut and break apart, remember? Right. People have to be conscientious. Dispose of it properly. It doesn't take too much to do that. And then we can all have good cheer and Santa Claus and all that good stuff. Yeah. 
keep yeah. up the spirit the whole year, right? But if you break the plastic, don't throw it on the ground because then it might wash up into the water and then you'll have whales and dolphins eating the plastic and that creates another crisis, which actually I think exists right now. They're finding a lot of whales and dolphins dead with plastic in their bodies. So uh, people and really need to be diligent. People are hurt animals, folks, okay? People are hurt animals. So if they see you doing the right thing, throwing it in a recycle bin someplace conscientiously or reusing the plastic bottle, what a concept. People will follow along and copy you and be conscientious. That's how the human nature, that's how human characteristics are, right? You yeah. park in front of a store and you think you're all alone there and or you park far away at a shopping center. Yeah. And then everyone parks, everyone parks next, next to, your next to you. That's how people are. That's how we're wired. But also we are in the holiday season. We I do are. want to say something that these captive hermit crabs, you want to go and you want to buy your kid or your nephew or your grandchild a hermit crab. Over time you you, you think they're acting normally, but because they this is not a natural habitat for them, they many crabs actually die slowly from suffocation because their modified gills require high humidity in order to breathe, and they don't have... High humidity? High humidity, and they don't have the enough humidity in a, in a regular home. Where would people keep a hermit crab at home? They Well, they keep them in a tank. An aquarium, maybe? In an aquarium. Oh, okay. Uh, but they just... It, it, it's, it doesn't work. It's not a good environment? No. Wow. In, in their natural habitats, they live a long time, but uh, when they're bought, they, many don't live beyond a few months. Okay. Um, Think of a different alternative pet, perhaps. Because it's not a natural environment. It's like putting right. you on Mars or, or you know. Think a, of perhaps a different pet. Yeah, a different right? pet, like a rescue pet from a shelter like or something. Like a dog or a cat? A dog, a cat, not right. a bird. I don't recommend birds. You, you I know. can't believe that people have a, a hermit crab as a pet anyway. Yeah, they do. Who would yeah. have that? We see the, okay, that's it. Anyway. Next story. Enough, enough Nancy, thank crabs. you for making this real for me. You're so good. Day to day, I can visualize. Yeah, I, feel like I keep saying I'm amazing. You're okay, amazing. let's go on. Because you know, I think of this, uh, you know, all these issues after the show's over. I know you do. I got to live with this stuff. I know you have to live with uh, it. But yeah. at least you're not guilty of throwing. No, I don't bottle. do any of this stuff. I, yeah, I recycle. I use the same bottle if I can. In fact, I have old crusty drinking <laughs> bottles from <laughs> centuries ago with the label <laughs> peeling off. I practice what I preach. Yes, you do. Power to the veggie burgers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm breaking the studio. Let's uh, go on. Uh, so, uh, well, we, our next story um, uh, is, is very uh, interesting here. The modernization of swine slaughter inspection rule announced by the Food Safety and Inspection Service a division of the Agriculture Department, which went into effect on December 2nd, will allow pork producers to set the speed limits on inspection lines and shift more responsibilities to the companies if they choose to opt in. The rule entirely eliminates maximum line speeds and reduces the number of government-employed safety inspectors on the lines by 40%, instead allowing the plant to use their own employees with no required training to monitor compliance with health and safety standards. I smell a rat. The USDA has estimated that the new rule could potentially save it more than $6 million a year and that the agency will be able to free up resources to be used elsewhere. It's not only consumers of meat who would pay a price for this new rule. There are more than 90,000 pork slaughterhouse workers whose health and limbs are at risk under the current line speed of 1,106 hogs hour. Pork slaughterhouse workers will tell you that they can barely keep up with current line speeds. They work in noisy, slippery workplaces with large knives, hooks, 
and band saws making tens of thousands of forceful, repetitive motions to cut and break down the hogs. This is gross. Yeah. Amputations, fractured fingers, secondary burns, and head trauma are just some of the serious injuries suffered by U.S. meat plant workers every week. According to an investigation last year by The Guardian and the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, the investigation found that U.S. meat workers are already three times more likely to suffer serious harm than the average American worker with pork and beef workers, nearly seven times more likely to suffer repetitive strain injuries. Scott David, a former undercover investigator with compassion over killing, worked inside a pig slaughterhouse during the piloting period of this new high-speed, low-supervised slaughtering program. Now, high-speed means this is a conveyor belt. It's a conveyor belt. Okay. It's like putting bottle caps on bottles or putting uh, Rice Krispies in a cereal box, but in this case, you're chopping up dead hogs. Hopefully, they're dead already. It's a conveyor belt They're not always dead, but that's another show. But just to get a visual for us in the audience here, it's it's a it's a conveyor belt thing, yeah. and they have to. So they got a lot of pressure, and it's 1,106 pigs per. What's the period of time they have to process per hour? Yeah, they have to take. They have to from 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 live to cut. I mean, it's right. You know, they it's it's a slaughterhouse. Unbelievable. Okay, I'm getting a visual of that. David, Scott David, that is witness workers under intense pressure to keep up with a, a high line speeds quote, beating, dragging, and electrically prodding pigs to make them move faster. All right. So these pigs are being herded through the line? Is that but it? Yeah, and, and you have to go yeah. fast, fast, fast. See, I haven't seen pictures of this on the internet. And I'm you sure know, it's, it's horrible, not horrible. Sure. And there's footage. This is and not we made up stories. You, well, we invite you to Google this and see all Look this, the images. Look it up for yourself, right. So you'll see this is not a propaganda right. show this and all that. Right, this is not propaganda. We're just trying to, you know, make things right and have Christmas every day of the year. Right, boys and girls? Anyways, uh, Mr. David, he documented via hidden camera many sick and injured pigs entering the kill line, violently forced to uh, the kill floor in a desperate attempt to keep the slaughter lines moving as fast as possible. So, I mean, not only is the process pretty ugly and it seems careless and and inhumane, uh, this added the pressure, the speed, low supervision, you know, when you have low supervision, there could be corruption surfacing. Or, you know, Absolutely. Try cut corners that don't get fired and keep the speed up. Anyways, the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, along with Public Citizen, a consumer advocacy nonprofit, filed a lawsuit against the USDA on October 7th, seeking to prevent the USDA from implementing the rule. The USDA's Office of Inspector General has opened an investigation into the use of faulty data the lack of transparency, and other irregularities of this rule. Thank you for bringing this to light, Nancy. Yeah, so basically what this is is it allows the pork industry to self-police on food safety, yeah, on food bad, quality. Bad. It, it further jeopardizing consumers because there are people who eat this. It, can, it obviously jeopardizes the animals and the workers. So when it comes down to you maximize profits for the meat industry, with no little regard for, for workers or animals who so actually suffer in the process. Next time you're having your bacon and eggs, think about it when you get crunching into that bacon or having your holiday ham. You know, we just want these folks to be conscientious. But you people in Canada, uh, this it's not just happening in the U.S. 
there's a program, it's called the Modernized Slaughter Inspection Program, and it's currently being piloted, like this program in, in the U.S. was being piloted, permitting some facilities to implement their own uh, unlimited kill lines uh, speeds for, kid, for pigs. So um, it's also, they're also getting started in Canada uh, with this new program allowing, again, these slaughterhouses to um, this pork industry to self-police. More workers are going to be injured. Uh, more people are going to go on workers' comp, which is going to cost the company more money, which is going to make more pigs. But you, you know, know it's going to have to sell more pigs. I mean, they and don't they care go about, on and on. They don't care about the safety and welfare of the worker. Imagine that they. I'm sure they even care less about the the humanity uh, you know, applied to the pills uh, to, to the pigs. Rather, see what I'm saying? If they don't care about the workers, the injuries, the trauma, yeah. you know, cut, amputated limbs, and all the safety of the worker. I'm sure they don't have the safety and the humanity right. of the pig, right. or you know the the, the least uh, plus hygienic. I mean, they're they're probably. I mean, what about hygiene? You know, these places need to be sterilized. There's this, a lot of bacteria. I don't know. So what's going to be? I'll tell you. So it doesn't if, look good. If Scott David is one of the folks that uncovered a lot of this, why don't you Google Scott David compassion yes. over killing? See some of the videos. It all, you just need awareness, and the conscience right. will grow. Or if you, if you, yeah, just, you yeah, need, you absolutely. need awareness and maybe put a stop to it. Maybe there's alternative means, of course. Tom, and again, maybe. that's why we need to prevent these agag laws from, um, from being enforced, because you those, need this undercover footage to show all amen. this, because nobody's going to believe you. And for those who've just joined us, new listeners... Uh, what is an ag-gag law? It sounds like you're saying ga-ga-ga. It's, it's a law preventing whistleblowers from, um, from from taking videos and distributing videos of uh, events that happen in these, uh, on these, in, you right. know, and these you farms. Need, and and they, they've, they've, they've legislated, they've created this legislation that uh, this phony trespass stuff, you can't come trespass onto these slaughterhouse uh, lots and property to uncover all these scams, to uncover all the inhumanity to all these animals. And, you know, you got to trespass in a certain way, a delicate way to expose, because there is no transparency. So we're finding the ag-ag laws. When, what does it stand for? Agricultural what? Or uh, what's it? Anyways, it's to put a stop to, you know, PETA's work and all the, right. the good folks who risk themselves and uh, go ahead and secretly film. Uh, and it's not just to do it as a gossip at TMZ. It's to show... The abuse of the animals. So when you're sitting down eating your food and all, it's not all hunky dory. There, there are ways, and that's why the government and the the, the owners, producers, and slaughterhouses are in the same bed together, and trying to make sure this doesn't, uh, you know, get released into the public. That's an ag ag law, and that's very bad for for. But in the U.S., they keep getting challenged, yes. and they keep get, and the the court finds these laws unconstitutional. It's oh, against great. yeah, in the US, freedom good. of speech, freedom of yeah. So, 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 so it's so, against the First so they Amendment. They strike them down. They strike them down. I love it. I think maybe so, there's a handful of states who have lo- them. Beautiful. Uh, a handful. Good. Uh, so when the ten Canadian provinces enact stuff like that, because. Uh, Canada looks down south very often to see what's evolving. Well, that's evolved what's going legally. on. I mean, in Alberta we're passed providing the law. An example in this right, sense. Alberta passed it recently. Then there was Bill 156 in Ontario passed this. It provides stiff fines up to $25,000. Uh, we talked about this last week. Um, uh, people convicted of trespass, really stiff fines, so people are discouraged or uh, unable to go in there and, and take uh, undercover videos. And it criminalizes the practice of entering a farm or a slaughterhouse under false pretenses. So if you're working for PETA, Mercy for Animals, um, you're nailed. Um, so uh, 
I still think there's a means of, of challenging this as uh, you know uh, in Canada. I, I don't know who's going to take it on. Um, All the nice callers that we have take it on. But also there's, you know, you you mentioned I I don't know if, uh, off air or on air. There's this you bill one thirty six in Ontario yeah. is Animal Welfare Act yeah. called PAWS. I don't know what the it's a, it's called pause and it's an, it's for protection of animals bill one thirty six. I'm trying to find out when it passed. So I'll tell December you my research 7th, I did off air. Like that? Is that what you're referring to? The research off air Ontario Canada was that ostensibly outwardly. A couple of weeks ago, they passed the strictest. They're at the vanguard. Yeah, no, no. An animal savior, and they're so righteous there no, in Toronto. No, no, no. Uh, you know, the capital of Ontario. And Ontario's a trendsetter, an animal no. protection thing. And no. wink, wink, wink. It's strictest laws that if you torture animals, they'll prosecute you. And that looks, tastes, and sounds wonderful, right? Well, it's wonderful for pets. If you have a dog, if you have a cat, yeah. Uh, but but th- through the back door, right? They have this egg egg crap. Okay. Not only that, but the bill does not like all the laws, all these animal welfare laws in the U.S. and Canada. They protect a dog, they protect a cat, a pet, but they will not protect farm animals or animals in research. They do not. This oh, the, the, these farm animals. It's, it's specifically it specifies that farmers are exempt as long as they follow general practices. So, so, so you, you can't can, torture so you can Fluffy, de- yeah, you can dehorn, yes. but, but the generic Fluffies that you're going to eat for breakfast, you can dehorn a goat. they can throw them against the wall yeah. and they can rectally right. electrocute them. Chickens and in crowded yeah. cages, right. you can do all that because farm industrial farmers and small farmers, they are protected. It, it's, it's, it's all, very they, all the, it, Bill 136, and I see here this passed on December 6th. Yeah, I, that's good. It's a a nice protective law. It has step, a cute little name. But, but no pigs, goats, no cows, no. No chickens are no not protected. No so now we can't do undercover investigations, We can't, and we can't protect them under this new law. So are you talking about Ontario right Yeah, now? Ontario. Okay. So, so, so all you uh, so, folks in Ontario or some of the attorneys there who advocate and, uh, and want to, you know, want some vehicle or some public forum, call us up. We'll see what we can do to help. And we show up sometimes at some of the conferences. As we yes, we do. Halifax. There's a, co- a conference in British Columbia in March, so we're thinking of uh, And there was a going. great one in Halifax, Great, right? great. And Halifax is a wonderful... Dale is in love with, with it, Halifax. It, Dale, don't you love it? Pretty nice, yeah. It's pretty nice, But the nice. conference they had at Dale, at the Dale Housley Law School, whatever it was, you had Canadian and Americans, case law precedents, yes. and all, all addressing. It was a unified effort. Not just Canadian stuff. We had American no, but attorneys. I see that the Canadian governments, these these provinces, are following some precedent some down south. Practices, exactly. agricultural practices right. here in the U.S. So I'm thinking, you know, they have a charter of freedom. You know, they you can't. I mean, I think Canadians have a constitutional right to to speech, and uh, and even journalists have a constitutional right to publish. Facts. The First Amendment counterpart. In Canada. So they the have First a First Amendment, Amendment counterpart. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to somebody taking this, these laws and challenging them. But anyway, we'll get politically correct people in Canada to go ahead and. Uh, and this is not just it, people who eat. Don't they want meat that's clean, that's been you know inspected instead of having? It's the fox guarding the hen house. Yeah. It's just I, I don't know if you want to eat that that chicken or that. And anything that happens in such case with, with pigs being rushed, 1,100 and something pigs an hour, 
that doesn't bode well for what's in my ham and what's in all. I don't eat exactly. that stuff. I eat my plant-based stuff in a happy camper. I can put that on the pillow at night. Yeah, I don't know. With all my veggie hamburgers, hot dogs. I don't have these problems. Nancy. No, you don't have these problems. I don't have these. It, you it, have it, chocolate problems, yeah, but you don't have right. those <laughs> problems have with problems. chocolate. But yeah. And you found a great vegan cheese. I don't have to have the dairy either. It's right. just wonderful. I could, I could be, I could be in dietary heaven. And as fat as I want, eating all of my plant-based, veggie alternative. Because unlike many moons ago, right, where in Quebec you had to go to Le Naturiste, and it was a big novelty to get wow, like en vrac peanut butter. Yeah. Now there's everything in natural. This you go in into your local, uh, you know, all natural supermarket, and yeah. it, it's even a law loss. I mean, Canada. when I became a vegetarian a hundred years There's ago, like beans, more beans and more beans, beans, yeah. beans, beans. Right now, it's have, like my goodness there's gracious. There's ten different varieties of veggie burgers, hot dogs, right. tofurkey, all of both sides. You're of the never border. bored. You, everywhere, even in Europe. So uh, that brings us to, what does that bring us to, Nancy? To Americans buying uh, many turkeys this year. Many turkeys. Yeah, many turkeys. Go ahead. Read the story. All right. Very good. We'll read the story. So let's read the story. You know, this holiday season. Yeah, it's the holiday season. It's Christmas and Hanukkah. Tonight's the first night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This holiday season, Americans will buy some 20 million turkeys and 300 million pounds of ham. That's a lot of friggin' <laughs> How many million pounds? You know how much blood you get million? in that 300 drugs? million pounds. I can't be believe it. Americans wow. alone. Americans will be buying 300 yeah. million pounds of ham. We're we not have, trying we to... 300 million people in this country, right? Right. I counted. There's, there's so a census this year. Everybody's eating a pound year. of ham. Come. Yeah. That's a lot of ham, no? But there's there's like a lot ham. of vegan and vegans who eat and enjoy and love it and like I do. But uh, let's get to the, my story here. Some of these turkeys and hands will be certified organic, reflecting the common belief that organic raised animals live happier, more natural lives. Government regulations for organic farming contain few specific protections for pigs, poultry, egg-laying hens, and other animals raised for human consumption. So conditions on organic farms may not actually be all that different from those at traditional livestock operations. On conventional farms, animals are often raised in confined barns or cages, never seeing sunlight or breathing fresh air. The USDA's organic regulations, which went into effect in 2002, required, quote, access to pasture, end of quote, for cows and access to exercise areas, fresh air, and direct sunlight for poultry. These conditions were open to interpretation. Some dairy farms graze cows for just a few months, relegating them to dirt yards for the rest of the year. Large egg operations provided hens with small concrete floored porches. And the regulations said nothing about tail docking and beak trimming. So organically raised pigs could still have their tails amputated, and organic chickens could still be de-beaked, similar to mainstream agriculture. Well, that's, so there's no assurance that organic means that these animals are treated any more kindly. Right? Right. Right. All right. So, you know, in 2016, the USDA announced a new rule that enhanced animal welfare requirements for organic farms. 
Among other things, it set strict rules for outdoor access and prohibited what USDA called physical alterations of animals, such as debeaking and amputations. In 2018, the agency ditched the new rule before it could take effect. In other words, it withdrew the organic animal welfare standards that would have enhanced outdoor access and prohibited tail docking and beak trimming. According to public statements by the USDA, it lacked authority under the 1990 Organic Foods Protection Act to implement such expansive rules. Congress passed the Organic Food Production Act in 1990. This is the only law governing organic farming in the United States and does not authorize federal regulators to protect animals raised organically. The law and the USDA's rules focused on the integrity of agricultural materials fertilizers and pesticides from natural sources were allowed, while synthetic ones were mostly prohibited. For concerned consumers, that means that serving an ethical holiday dinner requires some research. Pigs and turkeys on some organic farms may well live their lives very differently from their conventionally raised cousins, but an organic label does not guarantee this. So basically, there's a law that was passed in 1990 and defining what's organic. But the focus was really on uh, utilizing natural fertilizers, not spraying with pesticides. So basically, it was uh, focusing on synthetic, uh, synth- synthetic pesticides. Nothing, the animals were not really considered, barely considered in human the law. Consumption, human health was it was really considered. for human health. But yeah. in 2016, the administration said, well, even though the law did not prescribe it, they decided that they were going to pass regulations that provided for sunlight for these animals. So in 2018, the, the new administration decided that it was going to ditch these regulations. So basically, they really don't have, even though they didn't have to do that, they really have no authority under the law to do that. So to uh, actually provide sunlight and uh, you know green grass and all that. They, they don't have to do that under the 1990 law. So basically, that's what it is. Uh, but there is a lawsuit against the USDA. The Organic Trade Association did file a lawsuit against the USDA. So um, we'll see what uh, what that's all about. Yeah, what's the request in the lawsuit? What's it, what's the well? They're saying relief? that you you that they're going. I I don't know. I really don't see the basis for that lawsuit uh, because again, the law does not provide for um, for animals to get sun and and you know, in the air. So um, now it's Okay, time. so there's a misconception. People think necessarily because it's organic, it's not only going to be maybe free or less hormones and, and, and antibiotics. It's going to be, it's the food is clean. The animal will be treated better, but they don't necessarily go no. hand in hand. No, they don't necessarily right? go. You have to do your research and see if it comes from a small organic farm, you know, we got mom and pop. So, and so the best of both worlds is to get it chemical-free and some decent treatment towards the animal, correct? Yeah, you have to look Those that two up. Compounds because organic together. doesn't necessarily mean that the animal's been right. treated properly. So now we have to, we're going to be calling um, Christina any minute now. This nice lady here up in, uh, Mor- where is it? Mor- not this Moro is Bay. in Oxnard. Um, That's what we spoke to her last time. Yes, we did speak to her last time. And... So, you know, everyone out there who's going to have holiday meals and holiday dinners and, and spend time with the family, you know, uh, you're probably, you know, when you're thinking and counting your blessings or looking optimistically, and it's, it's a great time to uh, 
to love family and friends and to stop and smell the roses. And to so, make a donation to some nice animal charity. Amen. There you go. That's right. And in the festive season of giving and bows and Christmas gifts and Hanukkah gifts. Um, or maybe even adopt a nice little dog or cat that you intend to keep. Right. So you know what? There you go. Adopt a dog, cat, some rescue animal. Do that. And, and that will be something that will carry over beyond the holiday season when we all get down in the doldrums and it's January and it's cold and brutal. You can look up at Fluffy and, and love Fluffy, whether it's a bird, whether it's a cat. Are we dialing? It's a dog. Hello? Right? Hi. Christine? Christina? Yes, hello. Hi. You're on the Animal News Magazine with Nancy and William. Welcome back. Thanks for taking the time to uh, come back. Thank you so much for having me on the air, and happy holidays to you, too. Happy back, holidays. Back at you, too. We hear you loud and clear. I hear you very clearly. How are you? I'm I'm uh, better, in better spirits today than I was back in, I think it was in August when yeah. we spoke. Yeah. Tell us what's been Please. going on since August. Please tell us. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks to um, you two um, for getting me on the air. We got the message out, and we had some victories. Back in September, um, the Oxnard Police Department and the Port Wainini Police Department um, under the direction of uh, Chief Salinas and Assistant Chief Eric Sonstegard. Wow. They had mass evictions over there in the wetlands area where the snowy plover and the least turn uh, breed and nest. So that was quite successful. However, we still had a lot of trash um, to pick up after that. Um, but let's and, pause, let's uh, pause for a second at that, that, that victory. That's so cool. That we can work to 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 uh, you know that we, there's we, there's hope for all of us to effect some decent change. No, I'm, I'm I mean I'm one touched. person, one I'm person. She by decided the way. she was going to do something about it. It's like, and amazing. you're a great human being for being instrumental and, and caring. This is fantastic. It's great news. Well, thank thank you. I I am surrounded by lots of other people that have um, just helped me and they got behind this movement and kudos to oh, them. I kudos also and I wa- also wanted to tell you about our, our second victory it came last week and it goes into tomorrow uh, the Nature Conservancy uh, has now finally um, received uh, its order for abatement um, and eviction of the very well established um, squatters encampments on their property which is also adjacent to the lagoon and the breeding areas and these folks are also responsible for setting fires in the wetlands area on uh, the nature conservancy's property and also stealing uh, fencing and uh, also signs that mark the area for the breeding and nesting areas of the snowy plover and the least terns so uh, this is a huge victory uh, for us to to have these folks get this order but of course, as you two know, just because you have your victory doesn't mean the work is done. So we have more to do. Of course. So what does it look like now if you go to uh, the lagoon? Are there still encampments there? Uh, there are a few encampments that remain that persist. And most of them right now are on a Superfund site. Uh, it's called the Halico Superfund site. And the owner of that property was also served by the EPA um, a notice to uh, evict and abate the area with uh, all of the squatters that are living there. And it's actually a toxic area. And uh, these 
individuals are living there and they've actually dug inside <laughs> into the the this toxic area to, to establish their encampment so uh it's so dangerous and it's it's i you know that we're dealing with people who are not of the right mind for whatever reason whether it's an addiction or a mental illness or both so this what do you mean by toxic is was it, it toxic uh, before they arrived these migrants yes yes it was so toxic before fun. they arrived Yes, it used to be a sort of a, a melting area or a smelting area for um, metals, and the it was called Halico, and the right. owners, uh, they left the toxins in the ground, and so the EPA had to come out and sort of declare it um, a Superfund site, which basically means it's toxic. Somehow this place was, this property was sold again, right, right. Uh, and that owner was just recently served um, a notice to abate and evict these squatters from his property, um, but he's not responding, and I, I probably I can guess why. He probably doesn't want to dump any more money in this area. Sure, sure. But yes, those folks are polluting, um, still polluting the wetland areas. In fact, um, I was out on a beach cleanup um, a couple weeks ago with uh, one of our council members, uh, Stephen Gamma, and sure. We're still finding needles, and we're oh still finding God. bottles of liquor, you know, on the on the sand and on the dunes. So it's it's still pretty polluted back there. Now, are the migrants spreading the toxicity? And please, is that your point? Is that what's going on? It's bad enough that it was polluted and toxic before they get there. But vagrants is what they call it. The, and the, are the, the vagrants adding insult to injury and spreading. Is that what's yes. going on? It's just so I understand. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, the, they're destabilizing that that right. earth. Wow, wow. which oh. then can move with, like, rainwaters, like we're having this weekend, it can move into the lagoon and add further pollution. So, the but the birds, so they, they can return now and nest, so they're safe? Um, yeah, well, they're they're safer. How's that? Tell us what um, work needs to be, be done. You, you know, tell us what work needs to be done. And excuse my ignorance, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go Google Maps stuff now on a phone and all this. How far north, forgive my ignorance, how far north are you from Los Angeles? And give me a relationship um, to, to where it is here, that what's going on geographically. Okay. So we're, I don't know if you know where the Point Magoo area is. Yes. Oh, yeah, they have the air and show then, there, the air show. Somewhere there, right? Yeah, correct. So we're very close to Point Magoo. Oh, wow. So that is close. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and go ahead. Go ahead. Now, the work left, so tell me what say, remains. I, I have, me, sorry. Tell us what remains. What what needs to be done? Give us give us a feel the lay of the land of what's going on. What needs to be done? So, okay, um, so basically, right now we need um, help with cleaning up the area. Um, I did one of my other victories was I was able to work with um, Kevin Schmidt of the Ventura Coast Keepers Program, and he sampled the water where those um, squatters were, the vagrants were. Yes, yes. And he tested the waters in July, and then he tested them in November. And in September, or sorry, in July, the, the numbers for E. coli and Enterococcus were off the charts, he said. So he, and he attributed the high bacteria count of those two strains uh, to, to humans and not to animals. And uh, he went back in November and tested the same exact locations, and he found that the numbers had come down a lot. They've significantly improved. Wow. So the water quality is is improving. But 
to your point, we still have work to do. We have, um, we need to find a permanent solution to keep the vagrants out. Um, I'm working with the Surfrider Foundation and also with the Ventura County, or sorry, Ventura Audubon Society uh, to not only to do cleanups, but also to beautify the area. Now that we have those people out of there, uh, we have to put up new fencing for the there birds and new yeah. signage for the birds just, just to tell people, you know, this is an area that you need to respect and not go into. Um, so we need volunteerism. We need um, any any donors or sponsors who can help us or help the Ventura Audubon or Surfrider get in there and do more cleanup. Can, can you give us a website, um, numbers, contact, emails? Could you use perhaps a web page where people... Listeners can go ahead, either you want some volunteers or some contributions. What, what, that what would be it? awesome. Please yes. tell us. Please um, tell us. They can email me at saveormondbeach2019 at gmail.com. And it's Ormond, it's O-R-M-O-N-D, not O-R-M-A-N-D, which you'll see it's spelled that way. So it's saveormondbeach2019 at gmail.com. So, and I can send out. I can send out if if folks are interested. I can send them out more information. And if we can get attorneys as well to help us and to guide us and and tell us what we can and cannot do, uh, we've we've uh, definitely got out there and we started rattling some cages. And now we're interested in um, the next steps, which I think is going to be not only fortifying the area so that people don't get get back in there, but also then to figure out what kind of legal uh, protections that we can garner to make sure this doesn't happen again. What about Ordinance Number Twenty Nine Sixty Six? Isn't that the <laughs> one that? Uh, yeah, you're laughing. So tell me what what's with, with that? Did that help in any way? Um, well, it, it it gave us sort of a platform uh, to start off of, um, but the 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 city council seems to feel like. Uh, there's nowhere to put these folks. Um, and it's better to maybe have them out there on the beach, in the dune area, and the nesting areas, as opposed to, say, a city park. So that that's sort of the argument that I've heard. And so I'll often get the response that, well, where do you want me to put them? Where do you want us to put them? If not there, then where? Well, can, are they working so, on a place to put them? By the way, they... they uh... As it stands now, I think the the Supreme Court ruled that you can they don't have to be uh, they they have a constitutional right to, to to sleep in a public place between nine p.m. and six a.m. But uh, all those other hours, uh, authorities have the right to remove them from wherever they are, and that includes a beach. So I don't know if you heard of that ruling, but that's the way it stands now. They have a constant. Yeah. You can't remove them from the beach at midnight, 9 p.m., 3 a.m., because they have a right to sleep somewhere. But, so you can get them off the beach during the day. But my second question is, is the city council doing anything, working with the state perhaps or the county, to find rooms for the beds for these people? It can't be that hard. There must be empty buildings around there. Yeah. So to your first point about what they can, you know, what the Supreme Court said, part of the problem, well, there's two problems here. It's access to the area it's hard to get back into these dune areas um you pretty much have to be on an atv machine um an off-road vehicle to get to them um and or you can walk in it's just a little bit of work 
Um, and so that's part of it. And the second part of it is Oxnard is fiscally strapped. And so the police are tied up doing other things, making arrests for drugs and, mm. you know, other problems going on in the city. So they, they kind of deprioritize um, this area. And then the second, to your second question, uh, yes, there are a lot of beds. I'm actually working with um, the Citizens Journal. George Miller is the publisher of that, and also Tom Dunn of Wyneme and Oxnard Voice. And right. they both have confirmed that there are lots of beds available and uh, that a lot of these folks are service resistant. So that seems to be what I think the, the officials are starting to agree mm -hmm. with, is that these are service resistant folks. They don't want, right. they don't want to, to go into... Um, a, a, a living situation where they have to follow rules and they can't bring their, right. their can't bring medications their drugs. and drugs yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, that's it. They can't bring their so, drugs. So, uh, but, but then but you the have law, the option. The law permits law enforcement to move them out if well, they've got beds. Well, you offer them a bed, and, they and if they beds. refuse, you, you arrest them. Right. But, I mean, it's not really... I mean, it makes sense that legally, from a legal perspective, the police are allowed to do that, but they probably don't, you know? I mean, where you... Will you arrest them? I mean, in Oxnard, how many jail cells can there be? It's like, exactly. <laughs> and they said they, they arrest them, and then two days they're back out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, uh, so, but, you know. And I, part, of that, part of that is just because we made it, you know, we changed our, our laws about what, what is considered a felony versus a misdemeanor and all right. of that. So, um, anyway, so. So we have made progress. We have we have more to do, um, but but we're super grateful. We being the friends of Ormond Beach, we're super grateful that you two have taken interest in helping us um, save our endangered but bird species friends up of here. Beach have, I just have a care website. about the birds. I don't yeah. care about anything else. Well, you know, you know, the they, right. we, I don't see many encampments here in L.A. The, the, you know, Santa Monica. I don't think they put up with that, and it's pretty. No, they don't put up. Santa with Monica that. is pretty, you know, leftist and environmental friendly and all that kind of thing. But is the the homeless, the vagrants, they sleep in the parks here in LA, so they're spread all over. But they're the, allowed the, the to sleep. Here. So we well, have again, they have a right to sleep in the park. It's just in the daytime. They can't be, you know, making their number ones and their number twos on the street and in the, <laughs> the ocean. It's an environmental hazard. With it is an environmental hazard. She just, yeah, she just talked like about that. E. coli yeah. in the water. Okay. It's, it's, you it's know, really disgusting. And it's not good for these people because they get sick too, and then they die, and you know, in the steps of uh, municipal buildings. It's not good for anybody. It really isn't. So but we, you know, but I'm sure there are people who want to. Volunteer volunteer students, you know, college students, junior college, university students who want to come and help you guys clean the, the place up. You've done so much in the meantime. Any way we can help, web pages, any plugs you, you need, Yeah. contributions, uh, yeah, you know, if she's, a, if she's also Norman Beach, if they're part of, what's, what's the uh, the code section of the taxi when a charitable organization? 501c3. I don't know if you guys are a 501c no, entity. No, okay. no, I'm I'm still working full time as a high school English teacher. Wow, oh, you you're were, still working. Yeah, wow. You're my hero. You know, you're a saint. You know no, what? You set such an example for, for your students. Listen to you. You're a full time high school. You know, they're English they're great. Person. My students are fantastic, and and I also wanted to um, you're tell fantastic. you that you're the superwoman. Students, there's a there's a, an organization called Naturally Green, um, and I have to say hats off to the Adolfo Camarillo High School. Um, faculty and advisor for running this program and they've come out and they've helped us with our beach cleanups as well and oh, you're absolutely great. right I totally agree with you that we've got to get 
we've got to get our high school students out there yeah. and we need to get our college students out there. Yeah. And um, Cynthia Hartley, she's the uh, president of the Ventura Audubon um, Society, and she actually uh, teaches at Channel I- CSC Channel Islands, and she has many of her students come over and they work as biologists for her. And wow. so they help her get the message out. But it's just, it's, it, we're, we're really working with a lot of dysfunction, I believe, a lot of bureaucracy in government. Right. I mean, it took TNC forever to finally be able to move these folks out of, of private property. It, it, we found out actually that um, even though the, the Nature Conservancy is private property, it's actually code enforcement that has to get involved in mm-hmm. order for the cops to come in and remove the squatters. And that that can only be done, code enforcement will only come in if the TNC has proper signage that says do not trespass and then they right, if, right. and then if they have that, they, they have to give everybody a warning saying, Hey, you guys have to be out in a week right, or you know, right. it's, Christina it's lots well, of bureaucracy. Excuse, Christina, excuse my ignorance here. Let me ask you a question. In these dunes specifically where where this is all happening, Ormond Beach, can beachgoers go there? Can can kids, can families, can People go there and, and, and appreciate the nature there. The beachgoers go there. Give me yes. a, a snapshot. They can? Yeah. So it's it's a property that's owned by the city of Oxnard, okay. the State Coastal Conservancy, and the Nature Conservancy. So there's three property owners. And then, of course, anytime you're talking about the beach, you're also involving the State Coastal Commission. Um, so they get they they have a lot of say in what people can and can't do on that area. What I'm trying but to do absolutely is, try, that's what that's our goal to, is. We want to make this a beautiful. Right. We want we want to make this an eco tourist destination right. place. I'm trying to balance rights, Christine. I'm trying to balance rights here. Like to have Seal Cove on the way to San Diego, the beautiful seagulls and the seals. It's so beautiful as a city slick for me to go towards San Diego and see that. And, 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 and the little enclave and the dunes and all that. You know, American families have rights and be, to see all this stuff. It's not just, no offense, I don't mean any insensitive to the vagrants and all that, but they can't just come, crap all over the place, leave the syringes all over the place. I know there's some hapless victims among there. They're not all mean, dirty, smelly people. I got all that. But you've got to strike a balance, too, where a kid can go there and not step on a needle and all. You, get, you, know, this, you hear what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. We have surf. We have a big surf community up okay. here, so, and they also are affected and impacted thank you. by this. Thank you. And I have a so great. We, uh, and I have a just great a couple weeks. Sorry. No, I have a great surfing friend here, and all that. So you know, people, Americans who want to enjoy their weekends and all that, they have rights to. So you're the best. You're a saint. You're a full-time English teacher. You're an environmentalist. She's my hero, Nancy. <laughs> well, we got to wrap this up, Christina. You're the best. Sorry, we're we're stepping on the the time exit here. So we got we're stepping on the time exit, Christina. Yeah. Let's wait a few more months and then let's catch up again and see how beautiful you made that beach. I would love to, and I would love to keep you updated and informed. Please. And thank you again, and thanks to all of your listeners and Amen. for taking interest in this show and and giving Ormond Beach a, a second look. We really, really appreciate it. Well, and let's get some people out there and, and support yes. uh, Christina and her, her big group of people uh, to go to the beach and see how uh, how it's improved. And, and, and you, amazing. You're a great example you to your students. you have to come students. back on for real, genuinely, okay? Thank Merry you. Christmas. Oh, no, Happy I will. Holidays. Happy New Year. Happy everything to you. All the best. God bless Take you. Take care, Christina. Bye, Christina. Thank you, bye. and and all the best to you, too, as well in 2020. All right, thank, thank you. Bye-bye. You bye. Bye-bye. All right. Mm, bye. Bye-bye. Well, okay, thank great. you all. Again, we're out of it's time, but...
thanks to Christina. Hey, Thank things you, are working too. out. She's so, fantastic. Uh, happy holidays. We'll be back again next Sunday. And until then, take care of yourself. And thanks for spending this time with us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Animal News Magazine with Nancy DeFabio, only on L.A. Talk Radio.